Welcome to The Cap, where we are here to speak with college reps and other professionals in the field of college admissions to help answer all your questions and guide you through every step of the process. So if you're serious about college admissions, you've come to the right place. Are you ready? Let's talk about it. And now, here's your host, Dr. John Durante. Welcome to The Cap, the College Admissions Process Podcast. I am your host, John Durante, and I am here to introduce you to college admissions representatives and other professionals in the field of college admissions. Our purpose is to serve you, the students and parents, so that you may gain insight straight from the people who ultimately make the decisions. Regardless of whether you apply to a particular school being highlighted in a given episode, you should listen to all of them, as each guest will give you tremendous insight and advice on every aspect of the college admissions process, prompting you to come up with your own follow-up questions for when you visit campus or meet with a college admissions representative yourself. Don't forget to visit our website, www.collegeadmissionstalk.com, or the show notes of each episode to access the alphabetical list of all the colleges available with the related audio link to the right of each school. The alphabetical list provides you with on-demand access to all of the episodes so that you may listen whenever you wish. And if you want to receive links to episodes before they are released on the podcast, along with other related resources, please fill out the email opt-in form also available on our website and in the show notes of each episode. Lastly, please email me with any questions or comments at collegeadmissionstalk at gmail.com. So are you ready? Let's talk about it. Welcome to The Cap, the College Admissions Process Podcast. I am your host, John Durante, and it gives me great pleasure to introduce to you today Emily Davis Hamry, who is the Associate Director of Admission at Agnes Scott College in beautiful Decatur, Georgia. Emily Davis, thank you so much for being here today. How are you? I'm good. I'm so excited to be here and be a part of the CAP podcast um, and to have this conversation and talk more about Agnes Scott and the amazing institution that it is. Well, Emily Davis, it's a true honor and pleasure to have you here. I can't wait as well. So let me ask you, what can you tell us about Agnes Scott College's history and mission statement? Talking about the history of Agnes Scott is one of my favorite things, so I'm excited to start there. Agnes Scott was originally founded as the Decatur Female Seminary back in the late 1880s, and it was over the next 10 to 15 years chartered as a college and renamed Agnes Scott College. Like many other women's colleges, which is an amazing cohort of institutions that I'm, I'm proud to kind of be in community with. The students that we were originally founded to serve were students that were really marginalized from most educational spaces. So at the time for Agnes Scott, that was cisgendered white women. Um, Of course, over the past 130 years or so, the community and the voices that we are representing has really changed and grown and developed. And that brings us to our current mission statement and our current student body, too. So our mission statement is that we are educating our students to think deeply, live honorably, and engage the social and intellectual challenges of their times, which I think is a pretty powerful thing to be doing in the world right now. And so it's something that I think is really prominent whenever you interact with our students, with our staff and our faculty, that really is kind of the core of who we are. In terms of who is represented in that current version of Agnes Scott, in that current community, 
Um, our students are coming from, I think it's 48 different states and 12 countries. So really all over the U.S. and all over the world. Around 60% of our students identify as students of color and about 30% identify as first-generation college students. So a little bit of insight into who is on our campus. Um, another important piece for us is that we are an inclusive women's college. So for any student out there who is considering women's colleges, again, a fantastic kind of cohort of schools to be considering. It's important to check and see like, well, who is being included in these, these different schools' mission? So for us, what that inclusive piece means is that we accept students who are assigned female at birth and continue to identify that way, as well as students who were maybe assigned male or female at birth, but now identify as female, transgender, gender nonconforming, or non-binary. So really expanding what it means to be marginalized in educational spaces um, and adding that kind of gender diversity to the racial and socioeconomic and geographic and neurodiversity and all these other experiences that are also represented in our student body. Well, thank you so much for the overview. We truly appreciate it. And what are some other unique programs that distinguish Agnes Scott from other colleges? Yes, Agnes Scott. It's such a unique institution. I think it's such a niche institution. And there are really layers to what um, distinguishes Agnes Scott from other schools that a student might be considering. The first might be just that we are a liberal arts and science college. That's going to be different for some students. The second layer is that we are that inclusive women's college space. So kind of narrowing down a little bit more in as far as who is sharing that space with us. And then the third layer, the thing that really sets Agnes Scott from any other women's college a student is considering, any other liberal arts college a student is considering, is Summit, which is our unique experience at Agnes Scott. Um, Summit is essentially our approach to the liberal arts and science. So it's taking that curriculum, it's taking that lens of being a women's college and adding in these additional layers of global learning, leadership development, and professional success. So thinking about what do these different spaces that we inhabit, what do they look like when you apply these three themes? Um, so students still have that traditional liberal arts and science curriculum. They still have their major and their minor and whatever else they're pursuing while they're at Agnes Scott. But they're also taking some really intentional coursework about leadership, about what it means to be a leader, how to lead in a classroom, how to lead on a field, in a stadium, on a podium with a pen and paper, however it may be that they're interested in leading, but also what it means to be part of community, whether that's local, uh, state community, global community, kind of these different layers, and the cultural competencies that we need to move through these different spaces as we're growing and as we're learning. Well, we really appreciate that overview. And by the way, Emily Davis, I always put a link to the Office of Undergraduate Admissions. In this case, obviously, we're talking about Agnes Scott. If there are any other links that you want to share with the students and the parents listening in, whether it's about the Summit program or anything else, just provide it to me. And of course, I'll make it available to the students and the parents. So thank you so much. And so what opportunities does Agnes Scott provide for students to get involved outside of the classroom? And what else could you tell us about life on campus? Yes. So 
Life on campus, I'll start there because (laughs) I think our students are very engaged with our on-campus community. It's one of my favorite pieces of the Agnes Scott experience. Um, There are definitely a lot of clubs and organizations that students can get involved in, as well as a lot of academic experiences for students to get involved as well. Um, We are lucky to be in the amazing city of Atlanta If people are familiar with Atlanta, we say that we are ITP inside the perimeter. So we're about, you know, six or seven miles from downtown Atlanta, but very accessible to the rest of the city. Um, We're actually about a five to 10 minute walk from the downtown Decatur metro station. So students can hop on a train and really take advantage of the city of Atlanta itself. Um, And we've got great resources on campus to help students make those connections both professionally and socially, to the city of Atlanta as they are maybe establishing themselves um, in a new environment. Additionally, because of Summit and because of this kind of amazing uh, experience that we have for students, this unique approach, one of my favorite things that I always like to talk about, if it's okay, is our Global Journeys program. Sure. Because I think it's something else that really stands out and helps students get outside of that immediate bubble that they're going to be in for for the four years that they're at Agnes Scott. Um, So Global Journeys is a course that all of our students take in their spring semester of their very first year, where they are studying a particular place and a particular theme. Um, So for example, decolonizing conservation, zooming in on Alaska here in the U.S., Uh, women in Ghanaian leadership, zooming in in Ghana. So these different conversations that are happening among our first year class. And then halfway through the semester, the students and the professor that's in this space with them actually travel to that place together on a seven to nine day global journey. That's fantastic. It's pretty cool, right? It really is. That's awesome. Thank you so much for sharing that. Go ahead. I I didn't mean to cut you off. I'm sorry. No, (laughs) I was just going to add... I think what's so, there are a couple things that are so unique and amazing about that. One is that um, the cost, outside the cost of a passport, are actually uh, covered by donors to the college. So really removing that economic barrier that may exist for some students when it comes to studying abroad. It's built into the curriculum, which means it also takes out the time barrier that exists for some students. On top of that, it's halfway through the semester and it's during your first year. So students can come back, share their experiences with others, hear from people who had different experiences than they did, but also it's kind of a launching point for the rest of their time at Agnes Scott, for the way that they're engaging with that Atlanta community, for the way that they're going to be engaging with the world outside of our immediate (laughs) bubble. Um, and building on that for the rest of the time that they're at Agnes Scott. So it's not a cap on their program the way I think study abroad can be sometimes, but it really is that launching point. Well, we really appreciate that overview. You talked about your unique approach. I love the Global Journeys program. That's terrific. And of course, you're right there. I think you said five or six miles away from the great city of Atlanta, which provides so many cultural and recreational opportunities for your students. So let's dig a little deeper and go into the actual application process, if you don't mind. Mm -hmm. How do you evaluate applications and what are the most important factors that you consider when doing so? 
Yes. So when we are reading an application and reviewing an application for admission, I think there are two major pieces that our our team is really considering in that process. The first is academic fit. So is a student academically ready for Agnes Scott? Are they academically ready to succeed in that first year class, in that first year coursework? Um, And then also social fit. Are they going to be a good social fit for Agnes Scott? Like I said, we're a unique place. We're a niche place. And so hopefully making sure the student understands that community is ready to take advantage and dive into that experience. Um, If a student is only here to get an A in a class, then they're going to miss so much of what learning at Agnes Scott can be. So trying to get a better idea of that student's social fit as well. Um, I always like to highlight the college essay for students because I think it's kind of the combination of where we can see that academic and social fit of who a student is. The academic piece, because we are a liberal arts college, like any other liberal arts college, communication and writing is going to be a major piece of your experience on campus. So your college essay is the place where you can demonstrate to the admission committee that you really do have um, the skills, the writing and communication skills that you need to be successful in that first year coursework. But it's also the place where you are speaking directly to the admission committee, letting them know who you are and what your values are. Um, This is actually one of my favorite brainstorming activities that I do with students sometimes when they're preparing for the college essay is make a list of your top three values that are important to you and the top three values that you want an institution to share. Well, that's an outstanding answer. I love how you gave the distinction between the academic, but also the social fit. And I appreciate how you gave some insight in terms of how you coach students in terms of when they sit down to write their essay, which I'm sure we'll talk more about later. But I like that. List your top three values and determine which you want to have the admissions reps hear about in terms of when you write your essay. So that's fantastic. Thank you so much for that, Emily Davis. And what can you tell us about your mid 50%? So in terms of that academic part, what could you tell us about the mid 50%? And if a student falls a little lower, what are some of the things that they can do to enhance their overall application? Of course. So at Agnes Scott, um, our Average GPA that we see with students is about a 3.74. So most of our students are going to be really AB students in their classrooms, in their their academic setting. Um, Additionally, in terms of test scores, we are test optional, which I'm happy to talk more about. Um, So about 50% of our students are applying test optional. But for those who are submitting test scores, I will include the links to where they can check out our middle 50% in the show notes. I'll send them to you. Thank uh, you. But, but on average for students for the SAT, it's about an 1140 to a 1300. And ACT, it's about a 24 to a 30. So I always tell students that if they, if they feel good about their test scores um, and if they're in that middle 50%, really going ahead and submitting those test scores with their application for admission. So one thing that I think is really important and something that you may have heard other colleges talking about is that Agnes Scott does have a holistic review process. (laughs) Um, And that holistic review process, what it means is that the admission committee is really diving into every single piece of your application that you're submitting, whether that's 
your test scores, your transcript, um, your activities list, recommendation letters, every single piece is being reviewed carefully and read because we're trying to get a picture of you as a whole person and who they're going to, who a student is going to be on our college campus. If a student is worried about one particular piece of their application, maybe they struggled in the adjustment back from virtual learning after COVID, maybe they're worried about their test scores, worried about their GPA or some piece, I think an important part of that holistic review is figuring out the balance to it. Um, Okay, you're worried about your academic transcript and how that represents your readiness for college. So let's concentrate a little bit more and give a little bit more time and love to that college essay where you can demonstrate, yes, I am ready for that academic experience and to be successful in that first year coursework. So it really comes down to balance more than anything else. Um, On top of that, we have an opportunity at Agnes Scott where Any student at at any point in the process, but especially when they're submitting their application, um, can sign up for an interview with their admission counselor. So this is your chance to speak one-on-one to your admission counselor and give them the context that you want them to have when, when your application is being reviewed. You can let them know, I really struggled in math this one semester or I had a, a death in the family this semester, and you see that dip in my transcript. So help them understand the story that your transcript is going to tell us and provide this additional information. Um, on top of that, I will say, if you don't have the chance to schedule that conversation with an admission counselor, or you're looking at a school where that's not an option, there's also an additional information section on the Common App that every student has access to, and that gets sent to every school that a student is applying to. So if a student is worried about, oh, I'm not meeting these middle 50% numbers, or I want to give more context into a certain piece of my application so that the committee better understands who I am and where I'm coming from and the experiences that I'm bringing with me, that additional information section is a great place to include some of that information. I want to welcome back Sean Patel, who is the founder and CEO of Prep Expert. He's a Shark Tank entrepreneur making a deal with Mark Cuban back in 2016. Sean, welcome back. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me back, John. So I just wanted to share with all your listeners real quick that we have an amazing partnership with the College Admissions Process Podcast, and we have a really special offer for all of your listeners. So for any listener who wants to enroll their student into one of our prep expert SAT courses, ACT courses, or one-on-one tutoring programs, you can get 30% off just for being a listener of the College Admissions Process Podcast. All you need to do is put in the promo code College Talk, one word, just College Talk, and that'll give you 30% off all prep expert SAT courses, ACT courses, or one-on-one tutoring packages. Make sure you use the link in the show notes of the College Admissions Process Podcast. Thank you, Sean. We really appreciate it. To our listeners, as an affiliate partner with Prep Expert, I want to be transparent with you that for every purchase made, the College Admissions Process Podcast will receive a small commission from Prep Expert. But rest assured that we only promote programs that we believe in and feel would benefit our listeners. For more information, please see the Prep Expert affiliate partnership link 
in the show notes. And now let's get back to the show. Well, that was a tremendous answer, extremely comprehensive to say the least. I appreciate how you talked about your holistic approach. And you're right, we've heard about the holistic approach in many episodes. But I want to point out the fact that you mentioned the optional interview. And I think it's very important for students to understand if you're the type of person that is very outgoing and you do better in person than you do in terms of writing an essay, of course, you have to write your essay and put your best foot forward with that. But if you have that personality that really shines, make sure that you go and have that interview. Even though it's optional, it's very important as part of the holistic approach. If that's a part of your application package, the interview that you think will enhance your overall application students, then go and meet with someone, whether it's in person or on a Zoom. I think it's really important to understand that. So I want to dig deeper. You talked about GPA, the fact that you test optional. Let's dig deeper on all of these different parts. Do you use the student's high school GPA as indicated on their transcript, or do you recalculate the GPA using your own metrics? And if so, what do you look at from a student's academic record, and how do you evaluate it? Yes. So we do use the GPA that is reported by a student's high school. That includes whether it is weighted or unweighted in that GPA. Um, so we're really taking taking that GPA that your high school is reporting and then diving diving a little bit deeper into your transcript to get the full story behind that GPA number. Um, what we're generally looking for is we want to see an upward trend, an upward trajectory in your high school experience. I know, especially for these students who are getting ready to apply to college in the next year or two, it's entirely possible that the early part of their high school experience was was very much um, impacted by COVID. And and we expect to see that at this point. It's okay if, if every grade isn't an A, if every grade isn't perfect. Um, what we want to see is that you've bounced back from those struggles. So looking to see that your grades have have gone on an upward trend throughout high school, um, but also that the rigor has gone on an upward trend throughout high school. So depending on what resources, what academic challenges are available to a student, maybe that means taking on APs within their high school experience, taking on IBs or dual enrollment courses, um, whatever challenges are available to them. This, of course, doesn't look the same for every student. Every high school is going to have different challenges and different options available. So that's where your admission counselor becomes an important piece of that conversation. Um, You have an admission counselor who works with students from your high school, from your city and state, and they're the ones that have that context on on the challenges available to you um, within your high school setting so that they can share that with the rest of the admission committee as your application is being reviewed. Well, I appreciate that answer because you talked about the fact that, yes, you look at the GPA as indicated on the transcript, but you immediately talked about not the GPA or the number, but diving deeper into the overall transcript. You're looking for trends. You're looking for evidence that students challenge themselves. They built ramps over their four years of high school because a lot of times students get so caught up on the number, but you explain beautifully how you look at the overall transcript holistically, if you will, Mm -hmm. like you do in the overall application process. So again, Emily Davis, I really appreciate that answer. 
So let's dig a little deeper. I was curious, how important is demonstrated interest in your admissions process? And what are some of the ways that students can demonstrate their interest in Agnes Scott? I think there are a lot of exciting ways that students can demonstrate their interest in Agnes <laughs> Scott. One might be having that admission interview with their admission counselor, um, but also getting engaged with us in other virtual conversations and virtual visits, as well as meeting us when we come to your high school, a college <laughs> fair in your area, um, coming to our campus and, and taking a tour or joining us for one of our kind of open house events. So there are so many different ways that students can engage with us throughout this process. Um, when I think about demonstrated interest, I'm not thinking about a box that I'm going to check on your application when I'm reviewing it. It's not like, oh, the student visited a college fair. They get five extra points on their admission decision. It's nothing like that. Um, instead, when I'm thinking about demonstrated interest, what I'm really thinking about is that Agnes Scott is a niche institution. I've said it already. I'll say it again. <laughs> We're very unique. And, and what I get excited for when I student, see a student taking advantage of these opportunities is they're really getting to know Agnes Scott. They understand the, the academic and social pieces of that experience, and they're opting into it. They're saying, yes, I want to keep learning more. I want to keep engaging in this conversation that Agnes Scott is providing. And so more so than giving students an advantage or disadvantage in the admission process, I'm really taking that as a, this student understands what they're getting themselves into. They didn't just find us because we're an A name and we're the top of the list on Common App, um, but they've they've engaged with us and understand who we are as a community. Well, we really appreciate that overview. And I know that you talked earlier about the fact that you are test optional. Mm -hmm. Can you share the percentage of students that actually apply and who were admitted that did not submit their test scores? You know, many students think that the test optional movement might be a, uh, a myth, so what could you share with us, Emily Davis? Yes. Well, test optional is definitely not a myth at Agnes Scott. <laughs> um, we've actually been test optional for over 10 years now. So we are ahead of the curve on that one. Um, for us, we found that when reviewing applications, one of the biggest factors in, in determining how our student is going to succeed at Agnes Scott is how they're succeeding in their current coursework. So that is why we dive so deeply into the transcript to see how that student might perform in our own academic setting. So for our test optional students, about 50% of our students are applying test optional and being admitted test optional. I think it's technically like 51%. So there's a slight majority for our test optional students. And when we say test optional, we mean, we mean it truly. So we are test optional for admission, as well as all of our scholarship and financial aid decisions as well. So it truly does not impact you negatively if you're not submitting those test scores. Again, I bring it back to balance, like I talked about it earlier. It's coming down to how are you representing yourself in that holistic way? Maybe if you did struggle with your GPA and you're worried about how that showcases your readiness for college, test scores can be a good supplement to that to say, I am actually ready to take on that college level coursework. Versus if you have a strong GPA and you feel like that really represents your academic successes, then maybe the test scores aren't as important a piece for your application. 
So I think that balance is an important piece of the conversation when it comes to test optional admissions. Balance is definitely a very important part of the conversation. And I appreciate that you share that it's basically a 50-50 split in terms of the students that are admitted that submitted or did not submit test scores. I also like how you elaborated further and talked about the fact that you're truly test optional, not only in your admissions process, but also for scholarship considerations and financial aid, which is so important to so many students and their families. So I know we talked a little earlier about college essays. You touched upon them. But I wanted to dig a little deeper, Emily Davis. So what are some examples of college essays that left an impression with you for the wrong reasons? And what advice would you share with prospective students in terms of what to think about when preparing to write their essay? Again, I know you started talking about this earlier, but let's just unpackage it a little deeper if you don't mind. Yeah. Well, like I said earlier, the college essay is such an important piece of your application. It's demonstrating that academic and social fit um, for an institution. Uh, It's also your only real opportunity in the process to speak directly to that admission committee and let them know who you are and your own priorities in this process. So I I get so excited when I think about (laughs) um, the college essay as part of that application. When I talk to students about this process, I always say um, if they drop their college essay in a hallway and they forgot to put their name on it and someone picks it up, would you be able to tell that it is that student's essay? Would they be able to return it to you? Uh, I think that is the uniqueness that we're looking for. That doesn't mean it has to be a huge life-altering, life-shattering event. You don't have to fill it full of... um, trauma, which I think we see as a trend in in college essays these days. Um, It's really just we want to see your unique voice coming through in this conversation. In terms of uh, college essays that have left the wrong impression on me, um, (laughs) like I said, recently there's been this trend towards kind of showing traumas and, and struggles in an essay, which can be done well. Uh, For me, the most important thing that I'm seeing is the reflection that's coming as part of that. One particular thing that makes me, that I I struggle with with essays is students love to talk about injuries, breaking bones, spraining ankles, things like this, and using sounds. I've read so many essays where they they refer to pops and snaps and bendings <laughs> of the human body that will just give me the heebie-jeebies every time. Um, so, so I always tell students, if that is an important part of your experience, I want you to share it, but you don't need to go quite as into detail on those parts. I'm looking for the reflection. I'm looking for how this connects back to your admission. Um, I have a question that a professor asked me once, and I now ask students all the time. And that question is, so what? Um, (laughs) It's simple. It's a short question. It's a question you can ask yourself as you're reading over your essay. So what? If I am reading about your breaking and popping bones, why is this connecting back to your admission? If I'm reading about any other piece of your life and your experience, How is this connecting back to the story that you want me to take away about who you are and why you should join my college community? So, so what? It's my favorite question to ask, and it's one that I (laughs) encourage students to ask themselves in the essay writing process. Well, that's great advice, and it is a theme that has come up in multiple episodes 
a very common story, like you said, is that a student athlete talks about the fact that they love to play soccer, for example, they have an injury, and their essay pretty much stops there. I would imagine as admissions representatives reading the essay, if they're going to write about a sports injury, which is one of the most written about essays, Mm -hmm. you need to exactly answer the so what. What did it mean to you? What was your reflection? What was your thought process? How did it change you? How did it shape you? How did it make you better? How did you, you know, overcome? And too many times what you and many of the other reps are saying is that students neglect that piece, as you put it, the so what, right, which is key Mm -hmm. to uh, the essay process. So we really appreciate that insight, Emily Davis. And of course, the student's activity sheet, another piece of their application, what are the kinds of things that you are looking for beyond the work that they did in the classroom? So the student's activity sheet is such an important part of who they are outside of that classroom space. And I think you put it beautifully. Essentially, we're just trying to figure out who you are outside of the class, how you're spending (laughs) your time outside of of your classroom experience. Um, And that looks like a lot of different things for different students. That may be traditional. So clubs you're involved in at school, organizations, community service, pieces like that that are so important in helping us understand where you're choosing to dedicate your time outside of that classroom experience. Um, However, that might not be the same story for every student. For some students, it may include part-time or even full-time work that they're doing. It may also include supporting their family in some way, maybe working at a family business, maybe assisting with their younger siblings, whatever that might look like. It's an important part of how they're spending their time outside of that classroom setting. When we're looking at these pieces, part of what we're trying to do is come back to that story of who you are. When you get to Agnes Scott, you're going to have a lot of time outside of the classroom. I think that's actually one of the things that shocks students most when they get to college (laughs) is you're no longer in the classroom from eight to three o'clock every day, but you're only in the classroom for maybe two or four hours a day. And the rest of the time is outside of the classroom. So when you're making that activities list, when we're reviewing that activities list, we're getting a sense of how you're spending your time so we can better understand how you're going to spend your time once you're on our college campus. Lots of adjustments to think about when you transition from high school to college. Time is certainly one of them. But I also appreciate in terms of talking about the activity sheet, how you mentioned part-time or full-time jobs or many students who, of course, have to assist their families whether it's being home for an elderly relative or for a younger sibling. And that's important to put on the activity sheet because if you have a full-time job or if you're required to go home to take care of a younger brother or sister, it's very important to include that so that the admissions representative understands that may be the reason why you're not staying after school to participate in three, four, or five clubs. So Emily Davis, we really appreciate that answer. I want to dig a little deeper in terms of what Agnes Scott offers. What resources do you provide to support students who may have had an IEP while in high school to, of course, help ensure that they continue to be successful once they're on your campus? Yes. So we have an absolutely amazing office of accessible education. I am a huge fan. I can go on and on about them, but I won't. Not today. 
Um, but we have an amazing <laughs> Office of Accessible Education that really works with students on figuring out what accommodations are necessary for them to be successful on our campus, um, whether that's in the academic experience, whether it's in residence life or any other piece of that social life and social experience on campus. Um, my advice for students who are thinking about what that transition might look like is to go ahead and connect with their admission counselor early, let them know that this is something that's on their mind so that we can actually connect them with that Office of Accessible Education, talk about what accommodations are and are not available at our institution and make sure a student has a clear plan and a clear idea in place as they're making that final decision. Um, what that allows is also for them to start the process of having those accommodations in place over the summer so that they are good to go when they arrive on campus for their very first day of class. And, and they are set up for success from day one. Um, outside of just the resources that are offered by the Office of Accessible Education, I also want to talk a little bit about the other academic resources that are really available to students um, on our campus. This includes a lot of different tutoring and resource centers. Um, when I think about kind of college and the way that we approach education, I think it's very collaborative. So these tutoring centers are an important piece of that. Um, the most popular one on our campus is the Center for Writing and Speaking. So any student kind of across disciplines who needs help when it comes to writing an essay, when it comes to preparing a presentation, or more importantly, delivering a presentation. They can go and get assistance from their peers, from peer tutors in that process and have that collaboration. Um, we also have resource centers for math and science, a center for digital and visual literacy, um, economics learning center, really, really opportunities across every single discipline for students to get that support outside of just their classroom experience and make sure that that we are setting them up for success in those conversations. Um, the piece that I think can be a little bit difficult for students is that you have to initiate it yourself. You have to go to the tutoring centers. You have to make the appointments and take advantage of those different opportunities. Um, so that's one of one of the pieces of advice I give to, to incoming students is don't be afraid to take advantage of that collaboration. Don't be afraid to try a new tutoring center, even if it's not something that you've needed before. It can really make a huge difference, especially as you're transitioning into a new community in your first year. Well, I appreciate you telling the students that they have to initiate it themselves. Students, you have to advocate for yourself. And Emily Davis, that was a great overview of your academic resources. Once again, if there are any links that you want to share to these resources or more, provide them to me. And of course, I'll make them available in the show notes for the students and parents. This has been a phenomenal conversation, Emily Davis. And before I get to my last question, I just want to ask you, and I know that we spoke about a lot. We talked about a lot of your programs in the classroom and beyond, but is there a question that I didn't ask today or a topic that I didn't bring up that you'd like to talk about now? You know, I actually didn't prepare anything. I think that we've covered most things in this conversation. <laughs> um, perhaps one piece that I do want to talk a little bit more about is professional success and opportunities for students to really dig in 
to to resources during their time on campus. I know that this is another like hot button topic for students <laughs> and families. What does internships and research opportunities look like? Um, what do in- opportunities for students to get a job or get into grad school after their time at Agnes Scott? What do these different pieces look like? So I, I do want to highlight our Office of Internships and Career Development just because they're doing such phenomenal work on our campus. We actually have a specialized program called SCALE, which is the sophomore class Atlanta leadership experience, um, where all students actually have an externship that's built into the curriculum during their sophomore year, really partnering and taking advantage of the amazing Fortune 500 companies and nonprofits and research institutions that are in our own backyard here in Atlanta and helping students make connections across the city professionally a little bit more. Um, On top of that, our Office of Internships and Career Development, they also offer funding for internships that are either underpaid or unpaid entirely, um, as well as ways for students to develop skills like networking, develop skills like writing cover letters, writing a resume, maintaining these different pieces of their professional identities, and setting them up for success when it comes to making those initial connections for internships, making those initial connections for jobs after campus. So uh, I think that's an important piece maybe that we haven't covered today is that that full support, (laughs) not just of an academic student, not just of the social life of a student, but really that professional life of a student too and and how they're going to represent themselves in the world as they're moving outside of Agnes Scott. Well, I'm really glad that I asked that question and thank you so much for sharing the additional resources in terms of internships and research opportunities. That's awesome. So this has been a terrific conversation, Emily Davis. I can't thank you enough, but unfortunately it does lead us to the last question, which is what are your top three pieces of advice that you would provide a student and their parents getting ready for the college admissions process? Yes. So I think the first advice that I I always give to students and parents is to go ahead and get organized. Um, Print (laughs) out a physical calendar, get a synced Google calendar, whatever system works well for you and your family, but schedule time to work on college applications, work on outside scholarships, if that's going to be part of your plan to cover the cost of college, and schedule time to talk about college. What this does is it allows all of the other time in your day to not surround college, not surround scholarships and financial aid, and not have every piece of your your relationships in your lives be taken up by this process. Because if you don't schedule that time, it's very easy for your life to be taken up by by college admissions and and scholarships. Um, So that's my first piece of advice. My second piece of advice, notice what you notice. Again, this is something that a college professor once gave to me, and I'm going to pass it on to everyone else. As you are taking your classes in high school, as you're visiting colleges, as you're doing research on different institutions, just notice what you notice. Um, Notice what you're liking. Notice what you don't like. Notice what is important to you and what isn't. It might surprise you what kind of moves up and down the list. And as you're starting to build that list of what is important to you, it's going to maybe push you in a different direction for your college search. Maybe you're going to start diving deeper into a certain type of institution or a certain type of resource or or environment that might be at an institution. So notice what you notice as you're going through this process. 
And then my third piece of advice is be kind to yourself. If you're a student, be kind to yourself, be kind to your supporters. If you're a supporter in this process, be kind to your student. There's so much stress. There's so much anxiety. Even when we do our best to take take that stress and anxiety away, it still exists in this process. Um, so, so just be kind to everyone that you're interacting with in this process. It's going to be okay. Students, you're going to end up at a fantastic institution. You're going to end up at a place that is going to impact you and, and help you grow and change. Um, so, so try to, to enjoy this process as much as you can as you go through it. Well, those are awesome pieces of advice. Agnes Scott is obviously really fortunate to have you as part of their team. And we were so lucky to have you today during this podcast episode. Emily Davis, I'm so happy as I know that this conversation is going to help so many students and their parents as they navigate through the college admissions process. I hope to have you again. Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on this episode of The Cap, the College Admissions Process Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, please don't forget to tell a friend and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and wherever you listen to your podcasts. I am your host, John Durante, and I look forward to seeing you on the next episode of The Cap.